0: Welcome to the Gem of All Mechanisms. This is the BCS podcast speaking to those that are making a big difference in society through uh, technological means. My name is Brian Runciman and I'm speaking today to Jacqueline, to Jacqueline de Rojas. If I've got that right, Jacqueline. Hello.
1: Hello there.
0: Yes, you did really well there. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, that was a good start then. So um, w- what we're going to start off talking here is just a little bit about your your career to date perhaps we can start there and then obviously you've got matters of interest that uh, particularly bother you things like inclusion and so on which i'd love to get around to a little bit later on as well so perhaps we just start what what's what's led you to this point uh, Jacqueline
1: oh gosh so many things it's never one one journey is it but um i i actually uh did a degree in uh european business and languages in germany Uh And I came back from uh, university needing to earn some money, and I was offered a job in technology recruitment. So uh, two years selling people doing I had no idea what then into technology roles, programmer roles, actually. And then after two years, I went to work for my largest client, which happened to be one of the um, fastest growing tech startups in the UK. And never look back. So I, I have had a 30 year career in tech more by accident, I would probably say, than by design.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, that, that that's an interesting point, because obviously I, one of the things I'd like to ask you is what tips would you give to, to other females wanting to make strides? Because it's, there's barriers in the way. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, there are. And it's uh, the thing about tech, though, today is that every business is a tech business. Mm -hmm. So there is every different kind of role, which is also, you know, from from uh, creative roles right through to deep technology roles inside most businesses. So I would say jump in and look for something that you love um, because passion takes you a long way, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. What is it what is it that you love? What sparked your interest in the tech side of things then? Do
1: you know what I loved? I loved, well, obviously the money was amazing uh, <laughs> and still is, by the way, for anybody out there thinking, you know, where can I earn a loss of money reasonably quickly? I would say tech is, is such a high value opportunity for you. Mm. Um. So I love that. Not only, though, I mean, I love the fast paced innovation change, the diversity of it, the always onness of it. It just suited my character and personality. I'm, I'm very, um, I like to get things done. I'm a deliverer. And also, you know, it's a big people business. So if you like, you know, relationship building and networking, then tech is really a great place to, to practice all of those things.
0: That's a lovely comment. In fact, it's not what I hear necessarily so much that this is a a people business, because there's still a perception, isn't there, that there's the sort of geek and you can just hide away and just do your geeky thing without interacting with people. But it's really not the case now, is it?
1: I don't think it is. Although I am going to say it is a very inclusive industry. So if you do want to hide away and do your thing, that's also okay because we need Mm. a lot of people to be focused. And, you know, this we always talk about diversity and inclusion, but we we don't often talk about neurodiversity. And mm. I think people who, you know, are introverts versus extroverts, uh, or who have superpowers like they are on the, you know, on the Aspergers or autism spectrum, of some kind. We need a ton of that yes. superpower in the in the industry. So welcome all,
0: I would say. I, I think I think the IT industry is one place where uh, perhaps that's recognised quite quite. Clearly, though, isn't it, that autistic folk, for example, can, can really add something to a business.
1: Totally, especially in cyber, you know, to see mm. trends that, that us mere mortals can't see um, and, and spot fraudulent patterns and different behaviour. I think it's very, very exciting that we are inclusive in that
0: way. I think a superpower is a nice way of looking at that as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> And tell us about your experience, uh, um, because you, you, you come from a number of angles, BCS, we, most of us in this series actually have been with women, interestingly enough. So, uh, you know, we're very interested in that, promoting that side of things, but also um, people from different ethnic minorities. Now, you have a, a background, not completely British. And what's been your experience there?
1: yeah so my father's chinese and my mother is is English, so I come from you know that um first generation chinese hong kong chinese actually and and right. like like many of those kids i I lived above my dad's chinese restaurant uh <laughs> and uh, you know in Folkestone and that and that's how I grew up you know as part of the family business um and that you know i think one of the things that I care deeply about is who's who's writing our digital future because if we don't have diverse voices around the table when we're designing building implementing and testing all of this tech that we're building then arguably we won't be building a world that works for everyone so Mm. I'm particularly interested in you know any minority voice but gender of course but i think ethnicity is one of those things that everyone lumps together in the bane bucket which aka yeah. all the others and actually it's so varied and i think we all need to be a little bit more inclusive and and acknowledge that we come from very different places sometimes and, and that's that's i think that's we are more alive to that since black lives matter matters happened but i wonder if we are we are doing enough are we doing enough other than box ticking on that agenda?
0: I mean, I've always said that, um, as if there's any great wisdom, but there's an amount of box ticking is kind of required, isn't it? Because you've got to check what you're doing. You've got to make sure this is actually happening.
1: 100 percent. And it's a really good point, actually. I don't sit And I don't sit here in judgment, by the way. I'm grateful for anything that we all do. But what I would say is that I I found a a really great group of young interns in a a business that I'm working in. And they were very diverse. And a lot of the people who are very traditional people inside the business were saying, well, you know, it's tokenism. Mm. And actually, if you swap out the word tokenism for role models, then you get exactly what you're talking about, which is, yes, you do start by putting people into um, roles and hoping that it will create momentum. And I think it really does if you create a sustained pipeline and culture that can swallow these people up in a good way and embrace everything that they bring rather than swallow them up and, and make them invisible.
0: Interesting. It's interesting you look at it like that because um, I I did an interview recently with um, an AI expert, also a a female professor. And i got the same sense from her that I'm getting from you is that you've got a nice balance of enthusiasm and pragmatism about some of these things. You know, that this is about getting things in the end. It's about getting things done in the real world.
1: It is. uh, You know, we can't we, we have lived too long in a world where we have theory going on out there. We need Mm. to be practical. And, you know, I think it's our lived experience that you can theorise all day long. But actually, at the end of the day, the cavalry is not coming on diversity. We all have to play our part. And that means that you, Brian, me, Jacqueline, we all have to stretch our definition of tolerance every time we come across someone who's a bit different from us. Mm. Mm. And that's all of us, you know, because we all, you know, who likes... Who likes change, you know, to the extent where you go, oh gosh, that's a bit different, that's a bit pokey, that's a bit out there. You're not working the same hours, you're not eating the same way, you're not dressing the same way, you're not following the norms. Are you breaking the rules? And, you know, all of these little judgments are going around in our head 24-7. Mm-hmm. And actually our question perhaps should be, well, let me learn from that. What's going on? You know, what? How could I, how could my world be improved or enlarged by just embracing
0: someone else who's very different from me so have you got sort of examples from your career that you're happy to share of sort of positive aspects of that maybe some negative experiences you've had in those sorts of approaches
1: yeah well I remember in um in my career when I was I was actually taking a group of customers to the Grand Prix at Silverstone I was a bit of an alpha uh, manager at the time and I, I was working in a very male dominated tech industry yes. and one of my team said to a client would you like to meet the managing director and he said oh yes yes and whizzed round and said oh my god you're a woman <laughs> to which I mean I looked at him but to which I smiled and I said oh my goodness I didn't realize I needed certain body parts to make a decision <laughs> But let's discuss it over lunch. And do you know what? I think with that little bit of humour, a bit of a smile, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't an angry feminist. He was my client for 25 years. And, right. you know, I think sometimes you can diffuse it with a bit of humour as well, because I, I I, am not a person that leaves dead bodies around me and I prefer that way of finding, finding an opportunity to bring humour in and diffuse the situation.
0: I mean, that's a, that's a nice that's a nice example. Did, do you feel you got him from um, that sort of ill-thought remark uh, completely over to be an ally, or, or did you just sort of make the piece? And
1: no, I definitely think he was an ally for mm. sure, for sure. And you know, and I think that's actually a really good point. Is you know, male allies are important in this diversity and inclusion journey. We need, you know, of course, we need um, male allies to be positive, but we need more than that. We need them to take minorities, uh, women and, and other minority voices by the hand and put them into positions of influence because women and minority voices belong in all places where decisions are made. And that is a fact. And actually also, you know what? Companies create competitive advantage by being more diverse. You know, we are a country that's built on looking outwards, not inwards, and we are a country that's definitely thrived because of innovation and ideas that have come from, you know, immigrants into the into the country for for, for years and centuries that has been the case. Mm. So, I don't know why we would want to not do that, especially since we've, you know, broken up with our near neighbors. <laughs> and we need to do a bit of mending.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that particular rabbit hole. But so yes, I, I take your point. Um, what about on the on the positive side? Have you what have you seen in action or perhaps in organisational policies and, and, and that sort of thing that, that really works to to not only get the diversity, but also to get the diversity to communicate with each other and actually have a common ground and a way of working?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the most powerful I've seen is creating spaces holding some tension in an organization in a group of people where people who are worried about saying the wrong thing
0: mm.
1: have the opportunity to ask questions like you know just what do i call you is it is it black is it you know colored is it you know what is the right word because you know we are all so worried about being canceled and I think holding that space to ask questions where the questions come from a place of really positive intention and learning, those to me are the places where we can all thrive together. Now that takes some compromise on both parts, you know, because mm-hmm. you might get questions that you think, oh my goodness, I wasn't expecting that. That's a bit of a throwback, but, you know, or, or you might get questions that you just weren't expecting. And, and But I think if you come at it with, positive intention to create a one plus one equals 11. I think that for me is the best of all worlds and you do it frequently you can't just do it once this is where people come together to ask those questions we all think but can't don't feel we can say out loud and I think that's where we really all learn together.
0: That's interesting that's interesting Uh, do you know what it's just sparked in my mind that Doing my prep, I was just reading your LinkedIn—not your LinkedIn, your um, Wikipedia entry. <laughs> there's a there's a semi amusing sentence in it where it says, Diorajas, um, uh, who has been described in media as a British Asian woman," I, I I sense a little bit of terror in that very sentence.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, but I, I'm I'm pretty relaxed. I think, I think people um, must use uh, descriptors that work for everybody. Mm. But I also think that it can be a tricky landminish kind of area. And we all have to have a little bit more tolerance, both on the receiver and and you know, and the giver ends, because it's so hard to get it right. And all these words and phrases change so fast. It's hard mm. to keep up as well.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting area in itself, isn't it? Uh, what, one of my friends, uh, uh, Chen Mao, who was has done a breastfeeding app, which has um, uh, done a couple of articles on really interesting little application. I talked to her about her experience coming over to the UK, and she was talking about the fact that if you speak with a foreign accent, people think you're stupid. And um, that must be profoundly frustrating. Well, <laughs> do do yeah. Accent? Well,
1: I imagine it is, but we all kind of our default business language is English. Yeah. Or is it? You know, it is here. And so, you know, anyone who's making an effort to speak our language must surely be applauded for that alone. I mean, you know, we, we do we make that the same amount of effort overseas? Mm, I wonder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, very good question. Yes. And um, can I pick, uh, pick up something else here? So, so this is something else I just swiped from your um, um, Wikipedia page. Actually, first of all, I noticed you're in Swindon, which is where uh, BCS are. So uh, I yeah. know. Well done for getting out of there.
1: <laughs> it's you a wonderful back? town. It's a wonder. Before we get any complaints, it is a wonderful town, and I am grateful for all my friends uh, who are still there. And it has been. Do you know what? It was. Um, I lived uh, probably uh, at the rougher end of town in a council house, and it was a a really big lesson in growing up pretty quickly. But okay. it was quite benign. I'm going to say it was okay. it was it was a good time in Spenden
0: yeah I've been here since I was about five so uh, were you at sort of Penhill area is that where I'm okay. definitely
1: the Penhill area
0: okay I'm guessing yeah I guess straight away you see what you meant there <laughs> nobody outside of us too knows what I'm talking about now but we'll move on um <laughs> there's an interesting point here I just wanted to pick up on one of the things that bcs have been talking a little bit about lately in conjunction with IBM from time to time is coercive control tech enabled coercive control and um, it, it, it's a worrying area, isn't it? And I, I just, one of the things it mentions in here is um, that you had a difficult upbringing in terms of, a, of, of abusive relationships. Now, if you're not comfortable talking about this, that's okay. But um, if you are, the, the tech has added a sort of another difficult dimension to this. I just wonder what your take on that was.
1: Well, you know, abusive relationships are tricky, um, very, very tricky because it, it, it is it implies um, that there is someone who can't defend themselves. And, and that that is a very, very uh, uh, distressing situation. And I have, as you say, experienced that myself in once um, through violence and second through uh, the threat of sexual uh, interest, which was which was all very, very difficult as a child. Mm. Um, what I would say, and and I know what you're referring to is, is, you know, going into virtual spaces now where you can be approached and you know assaulted, actually. Mm. I think one of the things we have to be aware of is, you know, online rules must apply as well as offline rules. So we need to teach our children and ourselves to stay safe online. We, we have actually created a girl guiding badge, which is all about stay safe online, which is so, so much needed for everybody, though. And then, you know, we need to figure out how we create this online, um, how we how we how we do this, probably through the online harms bill, which is going through at the moment. And, and that will help us to create some um, some guardrails inside the online world the problem we've got is that online is growing at such a fast pace that keeping up with it is tricky really tricky as soon as we put some guardrails in place then it morphs and evolves so we have to as parents as teachers as influencers make sure we keep our our uh, young people safe but also it's not just young people is it it's it's all of us we need to be much more cognizant and I will also say this, that technology is is not something we can uninvent. Mm. So so the guardrails are going to be super important, the ethics questions are going to be super important, how we keep our children safe has got to be top of mind and I, I think there's a lot of people worrying about that, Nadine Doris, um, Secretary of State for DCMS
0: is doing a lot of this work at the moment. I mean, you raise an interesting point there because IT, particularly technology, particularly does things before it's even thought of the the implications, doesn't it? That, that's that's of that's almost the default, you know, move fast and break things, and then and then move on. Is, is there something we should be getting into our mindset a little bit more about being more? Um, thoughtful and perhaps trying to deliberately take things a little bit more slowly in those in those senses to think through the implications. Do you have any thoughts on that? Is is that just a madman's dream? Um,
1: I would love to say let's slow it all down. Not quite sure how you're going to do that. Mm. And so I think from a practical, realistic perspective, we have to do things to make sure that, um, you know, there is a society surrounding and a context surrounding all of this tech, which is all about doing the right thing. The bad guys will always, always be the bad. There will always be people Mm -hmm. out there who will evolve and change because that's where, you know, the opportunity is. We just have to be better at spotting it and and perhaps find ways to keep our children safer inside some guardrails where they can't be got at. It's tricky because they go towards each other as, as, you know, kids try and break through boundaries and the perpetrators are there waiting
0: yeah absolutely uh, uh first of all can i just say thank you for being willing to answer those last two because uh you know that those are slightly more difficult subjects so thank you for that um i'm, I'm going to ask you uh about your role models so you know you know you're, you're clearly in a role model position now you've got that positive view of those rather than being it's a tokenistic thing it's a role model thing who did you look to or who do you look to now as being inspirational and
1: you well i i, I- Absolutely. My mother was big inspiration to me. She still is. She's got dementia uh, and I absolutely worshipped uh, her because she was very strong. She came through some very tough times herself, but always had a lot of backbone, always was there for us. So I, I take half from that. Very hard working. And I think you get your work ethic from your parents, don't you? Um, I'm also going to say that role models are not always positive. But you do learn from them.
0: okay? yeah. Uh,
1: And, you know, and I did have negative role models in my father and, um, you know, arguably my stepfather. So I think I learned a lot of what I didn't want to be like Mm. through those experiences, you know, violence, um, drinking, um, uh, gambling, all of those things that really steered me in the complete opposite direction. So I'm going to say role models. um, You are a role model, whether you choose to be or not, just choose to be a great one.
0: Mm. You're the first person that said about negative role models uh, to that question. I ask everyone that because I'm always interested to hear who's asked. That's really good. Any sort of inspirations in the in the IT tech industry or or, or computer science area?
1: Totally. I I mean, obviously, you look at all the the, the greats inside uh, the tech industry, Ada Lovelace is one of them, of course. But I look at my peer group and I look at people like Vanessa Valerie, who runs the best umbrella group for women's networks and minority voices. I look at Sue Black has done Mm -hmm. so much for um, tech women coming into the industry, but also women who have been abused. And I look at anne Maria Maffedon, who's done so much for young women joining the industry. Honestly, the list is never ending. You know, Rav Bumbra, who has done so much to inspire girls at schools. It is an extraordinary list. We stand on the shoulder of giants in this industry. And there are so many women who have done so much and continue to do so much to inspire women into the industry. And I love that.
0: Jacqueline, that's been really excellent thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today uh, I, I i um i've really enjoyed that you you made some lovely points and is there anything finally you'd like to say to bcs members in general it's mostly members that listen to us not not exclusively but mostly
1: yeah i i suppose the one thing i would i would say is you know i perhaps end on celebrating difference which i've done my whole life my differences are what make me unique what makes me able to think differently It's useful to debates, to decision making, and to contributing even to strategic thinking. So, you know, that's why I think diversity is my passion. Mm. And, you know, if you're thinking that diversity isn't your area to solve, or, you know, maybe think about the greatest threat to diversity is the belief that someone else will fix it.
0: Uh, Jacqueline, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Brian.